As we get ready for the Word of God today, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. And this is what the Word of God says. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. This is John the Baptist. He said, you brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins, that you have turned to God. And don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abram. That means nothing. Notice what John's powerful words are. He says, it means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the root of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down, and here it is, thrown into a fire. Thrown into a fire. Say that with me. Thrown into a fire. This next month, this month coming up, we're going to be really dealing with of hell. We're going to be dealing with the topics of death and demonic oppression. We're going to do it in order, though. This hell series is going to be a little different because this month, because of the COVID-19, there's a lot of things we've seen happen in our world that can really show you that the end is near. So this health series, we're actually doing a new sermon, a new idea of the end times. It's going to be great. That's going to be the last one of October. But this message that we've titled this morning is called Escaping Hell. Escaping Hell. You see, last Sunday, you might have not but I was late for church. And I was late for church because if you know me, I'm really bad at ironing clothes. I just don't like to iron. And as I got dressed for church and I was ready, I had my Bible in hand, ready to go to church. As I'm leaving out the door, my mother looks at me and she says, where do you think you're going? And I said, what are you about? And my mom said, your shirt is completely wrinkled. And I said, no, I'm fine. This is fine. This is okay. Let's go. She goes, no, you cannot leave the house like that. You are completely wrinkled. Look at yourself. And she takes the mirror there. She shows me. She says, listen, look, look at this. Look at this. You can't go to church like this. And something interesting happened as my mother kept pointing out the wrinkles in my shirt. I realized that she was right. And because I realized that she was wrong, I knew I was wrong. And when I realized that she was right and I was wrong, it completely changed my thoughts. It completely changed my views. And now what I thought was okay now no longer was okay. And I did something about it. I took off my shirt and I said, here, you iron it. But see, as I thought about that, I thought about what John the Baptist was saying. You see, in the Bible, in verse 8 of what we just read, John the Baptist, he said, prove by the way that you live that you have repented, that you have repented. When John the Baptist was out in the desert preaching, he used a word today that the church is not using anymore, and that is the word repentance. As John began to preach this message, the word repentance is literally translated here in the Greek, meta nails. The word meta means change. The word naios is literally mind. So to repent literally means to change your mind. To change your mind in such a way that it causes you to turn a complete 180. 
You see, the same way I thought I was okay, I thought my shirt was fine, I thought it was okay to go to church, I thought it, it was pretty actually, I thought it wasn't wrinkled. The minute my mother pointed the wrinkle out, the minute she showed me, I changed my mind. And what I thought was okay, no longer did I think. And it caused me to change my mind in such a way that I literally changed my actions. That's how you know you have truly repented of your sins. Before Jesus Christ, there are sins in your life you thought were okay. Before Jesus Christ, there was a lifestyle you accepted, you thought was perfectly normal, perfectly fine. But when Jesus comes and the light in your darkness shines, you realize one thing. You realize that Jesus Christ is right and you have been wrong. When God says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, he is right, you are wrong. And there's a point that you have to realize because God is right, that means I am wrong. And because God is right, it changes the way I now think. It changes the way I view life. It changes the way I view sin. And your mind has changed in such a manner that you turn from your life of sin and you turn to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to repent of your sins. But what's scary about this passage is that John the Baptist was out in the desert. And he's pointing out the wrinkles of people. And he sees a group of Pharisees that were religious. And like me, they thought they were fine. They thought they had no sin. They thought they were on heaven. And John the Baptist points out to them their sin. John the Baptist points out the sin of a religious group that thought they were safe. In fact, in verse 9, John the Baptist says to them, stop thinking that you're safe. Stop saying to each other, we're safe. You know what John the Baptist was saying here? There is a lot of people in life that think they're safe that think they're on their way to heaven when they die, that think because they're religious and good and do spiritual things, they're safe. But what John the Baptist was telling these people is you are far from safe. You're actually lost. You're actually on your way to a fire and you don't even realize it. And what's truly sad is like these Pharisees, there's a lot of people that look religious. There's a lot of people today that go to church. There's a lot of people that are knowledgeable of the Bible. There's a lot of people that serve in the church and serve in the ministry. And they think they're right with God. They think they're safe. And if you would ask them, hey, do you know without a doubt you're on your way to heaven? They say, oh yeah, I'm safe. I'm good. I pray, I read the Bible, I do good things. And sometimes people tell me, yeah, I'm safe because, you know, my grandmother was saved. My grandmother used to go to church. Almost like it's hereditary. And I wonder as I read this, how many people think they're safe. Notice John the Baptist says, don't say to each other, we're safe. In fact, when it comes to death and eternity, Jesus warned us more about hell than he did any other topic in the Bible. Jesus warned us about God's judgment more than any other topic in the Bible. In fact, one of the warnings that Jesus gives us is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Notice that Jesus says many, many people will say, notice, they will say, just like the Pharisees, they will say to me on that day, what day is Jesus talking about? 
Jesus is talking about the day of your death and judgment. And Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? See, notice that Jesus says, many are going to come to me on that day and tell me what they did. Didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name, didn't we cast out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles. You know what's scary about this verse? Someone that prophesies, someone that casts out miracles, I mean demons, and someone that performs miracles in the name of Jesus is someone I want in my church. What an awesome Christian. But the truth is, Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Stay with me. Imagine you're going to church every Sunday. You go to forward every Sunday. You serve in the ministry. You know the Bible. You know a lot about Jesus. You know everything. And the day of your death finally comes. You're in the presence of God in judgment. And you're assuming that Jesus knows you by relationship. And imagine now Jesus says, I will declare to you, I never knew you. What if Jesus says, hey, all that time you were at Forward and all that time you served in the ministry and all that time you spent listening to Pastor David teach on Wednesday night Bible study and all those times you were serving, all those times you were reading the Bible, all those times you and I never had a relationship. You had a religion. You had a practice. And Jesus would say, depart from me. Can you imagine the day Jesus looks at you and says, depart from me? That word depart literally means to cut away. Can you imagine the day Jesus Christ cuts you off forever? Never will you have another opportunity to be saved. Never will you have an opportunity to repent and turn to Jesus. Never will you have an opportunity to have a true relationship with Jesus because Jesus used the word, I will cut you off. Jesus says, I will say plainly, I'll cut you off. Depart from me. What's frightening about this verse is that you have a group of religious people that are teaching the law of God, that are in the synagogues learning and teaching and learning and teaching. And everyone's looking at them saying, wow, they're so close to God. They must know so much about the Lord. Look at them serving. Look how spiritual they are. And when John points at them, he says, you don't realize how wrinkled you are. You don't realize, you think you're safe, you think you're fine, but when I show you the truth, you're going to realize you're lost. Because you think it's about a religion, you think it's about serving, you think it's about doing this and doing that, and the people there thought they were safe. And I wonder this morning, as I prepare for this hell series, how many people think they're safe? Jesus said, many on that day. The fact that Jesus says many shows me that when we have a picture of hell, because next week we're going to have a picture of exactly what hell looks like and what you will experience if you're there in detail. But see, when I was reading this, I realized something. We tend to think that hell is for the bad people. We tend to think that hell is for the atheist. We tend to think hell is for Hitler. We tend to think hell is for those that were really bad. But you know that in life, if you've just sinned once, you qualify to go to hell. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. If you've just sinned once, God says you are not good. So hell is a place not just for bad, evil, atheistic people. 
You know, the Bible says that hell is going to be full of people that thought they were saved. Hell is going to be full of people that thought they were safe. And the degree of punishment, which I will say next Sunday, but the degree of punishment in hell gets worse, not to according to how bad you were, but the degrees of hell get worse for those who actually knew of Jesus and never truly accepted him. That's why Jesus said it's going to be more bearable for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah for the, than the people in his own hometown. Because the people of Sodom and Gomorrah did not know God. But the people of Jesus' hometown, had, not only did they know of Jesus, they had the opportunity to surrender their lives to him. So hell is worse for people who went to church every Sunday and never repented. Hell is worse for people who read the Bible and never turned to Christ. Hell is worse for people that taught the word of God but never truly surrendered to the Lord. So not only is hell going to be full of obviously bad and people that rejected Jesus without shame, but hell will be covered in people like the Pharisees who thought they were safe. John said to them, stop saying that you're safe. Because God's wrath is coming. As John the Baptist sat in that desert preaching the word of God, when I read this story in detail, I realized that John was not only preaching repentance, but within the context of John's sermon, John gave three vital warnings to listen to. You guys want to know what these three vital warnings are? Three vital warnings. What a preacher he was. The first warning John gives is in verse 7. The Bible says when he saw many Pharisees, these are religious people and Sadducees coming to watch him, baptize, he denounced them. He said, you brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? The first warning that God, that John the Baptist gives in reference to God is that God's wrath is coming. Listen closely. John said, who warned you to flee? Here it is. God's coming wrath. God's coming wrath. You might be thinking, well, pastor, what is the wrath of God? See, the wrath of God, wrath is defined as an emotional response to something wrong or unjust. It's often translated as anger. So God's wrath is his anger against sin. And God is justified in saying, you are wrong. You are wrinkled. God is angry towards sin. And God in his anger says, sin must be punished and dealt with. And John said, God's anger is coming. That's why the Bible says, the Lord is slow to anger. Even though God's wrath is coming, God is patiently waiting for you to repent. God says, I am waiting in patience, but don't get it twisted. My patience does not mean I'm okay with your sin. I'm actually angry about it. God has an anger that is justified in this world. But God in his love and mercy is giving our world time. 
He's given you the time to repent. He's given you the time to turn to him. He's given you the time to turn to Jesus and have those sins forgiven. But God says, my wrath is coming. John warned, number one warning, God's wrath is coming. It's coming closer every day. God's wrath will either come during the second coming of Jesus Christ or God's wrath will come on the day of your death and judgment. But either way, the wrath of God is coming. In love, John warned them of God's wrath. It's so sad because a preacher like John today would be crucified in the church. A preacher like John's today would have a church that's small and minimal. A preacher like John would be criticized and called judgmental. But in love, God used John to tell people, you're wrinkled. In love, God would use John to tell people, God's wrath is coming. It wasn't criticism. It wasn't negativity. It wasn't judgment. It was love that told God, that got John to say, God's wrath is coming. Stop thinking you're safe. Can you imagine And with that, that Sunday morning that my mom comes up to me and says, son, your shirt is wrinkled. Why did my mom tell me my shirt was wrinkled? Obviously, I'm assuming it's because she loves me. You love me, right, mom? She wanted what was best for me. But you, can you imagine that I look at my mom when she, hey, your shirt is wrinkled, and I say to her, who do you think you are? Not only will I get slapped at 37, 36, yeah, 36, But understand something. How ridiculous would I look if I look at my mom and say, wow, who do you think you are? You think you're better than me? Mom, you're so judgmental. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine if not only do I call my mom judgmental, but I begin to make excuses for my wrinkled shirt and I say, well, you know what? No shirt is perfect. Or if I tell my mom, oh, I know it's wrinkled, but I'll iron it later. You know how many people I say, listen, you're not saved. You're on your way to hell. And they say, oh, I know, but later maybe I'll repent. Maybe I'll give my life to Jesus later. I want to get it out of my system. I don't know what that means. But I've met them all. I've met the person that calls me judgmental. I've met the person that says, yeah, but, you know, it's okay. It's not as bad as this person's shirt. Can you imagine if I tell my mom that I know my shirt is wrinkled, but I've seen Maria's wrinkle too? <laughs> And that's what we do with God. We start comparing our sin to other people. Can you imagine if I tell my mom, mom, I know my shirt is wrinkled, but how great do my jeans look? And a lot of people say, oh, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm bad. I know this is wrong. I know this is my lifestyle. I know, but God, have you seen the good stuff I've done? Have you seen how I go to church and pray and read the Bible? I mean, that looks good, right? So why don't you focus on my jeans and not my shirt? You would never think of doing that. But when it comes to God and our sin... We make excuses for it. We compare it to other people's sin. We want God to turn a blind eye to our sin and focus on our good works. And you know, when John said God's wrath is coming, he wasn't being judgmental. When I tell you about sin and hell, it's because I love you so much. And the time will come when you are born again and saved in heaven that you're going to say thank you for pastors like Pastor David who preached the truth of God's word. But see, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.3, the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, doctrine like death and sin and hell. Instead, 
notice, to suit their own desire. They will gather around great numbers of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Notice that the Bible says in the end, great numbers are going to gather. Don't think because the church is growing by the thousands that it's a revival. God said, no, in the end, the church is going to grow, but it's going to grow that want pleasure. It's going to grow with people that have a desire to hear positive things. It's, it's going to be a church where people are going to gather and they're not going to put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they want to be encouraged. They're going to tolerate sin. They're going to try to make you feel good. They're going to try to make you feel positive. They're going to want you just to go to church and, and laugh and have a good time. But when it comes to sound doctrine, they want none of it. See, today we have a church culture that is not warning people about hell anymore. They're not warning people about God's wrath. They're not speaking of the judgment of God. What they're really focused on is tickling people's ears, wanting them to have a little fun, a little pleasure, and a little tolerance of sin. And I believe today in the Church of America, there's a lot of positive people going to hell. There's a lot of encouraged people going to hell. There's a lot of people that say, I feel good about myself going to hell. The church was placed here on earth to be a light in darkness. So when John points out to these people, the wrath of God is coming. He was saying it in love. God is angry. And his anger will be justified. Sin will be punished. That's where hell comes in. Hell was a place designed for Satan and his demons. But the minute man sinned, they qualified. Hell is a place where you will never experience the light of God's love. Next week, don't miss it. You're going to see in detail what hell is like. What hell really means. You have no idea what hell is until you see it for what it means in the Bible. But the second warning that God uses in John is found in verse 10. John says, not only did he warn that God's wrath was coming, he said, even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the tree. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into a fire. The word fire there in the Greek literally means fire. It's not a metaphor, it's not something spiritual. John's second warning to the people is that hell is a literal place of fire that God will just throw you into. Who goes to hell? John said, every tree that does not bear fruit. And in the Bible, the word fruit is often used to describe a person's outward actions as a result of the condition of their heart. That means that when you repent of your sins and you turn to Jesus, you receive the Lord. A person that's genuinely born again and saved who has repented and turned to Jesus, they begin to show outwardly what God has done inwardly. Your life changes. You can't tell me you're saved and you haven't changed a lick. You can't say, I'm born again, but I'm still living the same life. The Bible says 
by your fruit you'll be known. There has to be some physical outward evidence of an inward repented heart. The reality is, is that there's a lot of people that can say they're saved, but they're not showing it on the outside. When you're truly saved, you get angry like God at sin. You don't tolerate it. You don't accept it. You do everything daily in your power to be removed from it. When you're truly born again and saved, it shows in your worldview and how you treat people. It shows in your values. It shows in your attitude. It shows in your behavior. It shows in the way you speak. It shows in the way you act. There has to be some external evidence of an inward transformation. Did you notice that a fruit tree doesn't have to tell you what fruit it is? It shows it. That's why in verse 8, John helps us to, to really show us if you're saved or not. He says, prove by the way you want. Live. He didn't say prove it by going to church. He didn't say prove it by reading your Bible and knowing your Bible. John didn't say prove it by joining a ministry. Prove it by going to church every Sunday. Prove it. No. John says, you want proof of your salvation? How are you living? Prove by the way you live. You should be able to look at your life and say, I know that I'm saved because look at the external evidence of it. I was once lost and now I'm found. You know how I knew I repented and listened to my mom? I was once wrinkled and now I'm not. This morning, this morning, last night, I said, Mom, here's my shirt. Mom, iron it on Sunday. Why? I've changed. I've changed. This is proof that I have turned my ways and listened to my mama. Do you have that proof in your life? You know, Jesus, when he warned about the day of judgment, Matthew 7, 23, he said many will say on that day, remember that verse? He says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Here's a clue. Who does Jesus say in judgment to depart? Who does Jesus cut off? You, who, what? Practice lawlessness. Practice disobedience. There is a difference between making a mistake, falling into sin, versus staying in sin. Jesus says, you prayed, you casted out demons, you performed many miracles, you did all of these things, but while you did that, you were practicing sin and you never repented. Do you really think you were saved? See, today we don't say this enough in church. But when you have truly been born again and saved, you don't practice sin. You can't stay in it long enough. You may stray, you might fall, but there's something in you that says, I can't stay here, and you turn back. But see, Jesus shows us the evidence of these people that weren't saved. They practiced sin. And there's a lot of people in the church that practice a lifestyle of sin and never feel bad about it. They feel justified for it simply because they think the act is enough. But see, when you repent and you turn to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, His job is to convict you of sin. Not condemn you, convict. To point out. That's why when you're saved, man, I love people that get saved on Sunday. They sin on Monday and they go, why does it feel different now? 
Why don't I feel as good like I used to? Why don't I feel like this is not me anymore? You know, when my parents got saved, they said, man, this doesn't feel right anymore. And they they made a commitment and a change. When you get saved, you might go back to the nightclub. You're not going to stay there. When you get saved, you might go back to that ungodly boyfriend or girlfriend. You're not going to stay with them. When you truly get saved, you're not going to stay watching or listening to because there's something in you that says, this is who I used to be. This is not me anymore. That's why John said, prove your repentance by what? By the way you live. That's why God says, examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. Don't come after church and ask me, Pastor, you think I'm saved? I don't know. I don't know. You should be able to look at your life and say, yeah, there's been a change. The first warning he gives was God's wrath is coming. Notice that he said the the wrath of God is coming. The second warning John gives is the hell, fire in hell is literal. So, You need to understand, in order to know that you're saved, you have to start knowing Jesus. It's a relationship with Him. The third warning that John gives is in verse 10. He says, even now, the acts of God, judgment, is poised. You might read that and be, okay, that's cute, then read through it. Listen. One of the most frightening verses in the Bible is what John just said. Even now, the act, the acts of God's judgment is poised. He's ready to sever the roots of that tree. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down. You know what John said? When it comes to God's judgment, you ever chopped a tree down? I was chopping trees down yesterday. You get an axe. You don't just come up to a tree and just take one swing. You don't do that. You know what you do? It's called poising. You pose. You line it up right where you're going to cut. Got it? Once you pulls, you take one thing back and you go forward. How quick is that? It's quick. John said, hey, you know God is posed right now? Imagine God is looking at your fruitless life and he's saying, I'm ready. You're going to die soon. It's quick. Life is quick. You know how quick life is? It's this quick. Done. You think 80 years is a long time? In God's eyes, 80 years? Back, forward, done. 50 years, 60, whatever. God says, I'm posed. I'm ready. And the reason God says, I'm posed is when God is like this, he's saying, you have time. You're still there. But I'm about to cut you off. It'll be too late. God says, I'm posed. It's going to be quick. have time. For some people, God's already here. For other people, God's already here. But for everyone, God will cut us. Your life will be cut. And John said, hey, God is ready. You know, God says, I'm ready. 
Are you? It's quick. Life is quick. Life is so quick, it's like putting an axe to a tree. It takes seconds to just pull it back and move it forward and chop it down. God says life is but a breath. You're here today, you're gone. We live in a life that think, man, we want to live forever. We're coming up with advancements in science and medicine. The most you're going to live, let's say you are really old. You're in 100, 110, 115. But the way you all live and eat, I know. (laughs) It's not. You know, I was looking at my dad yesterday and looking at him help me work. And I can remember my dad in his 30s and his 40s and his 50s. You see how your body begins to disintegrate. My mom still looks good, but she's disintegrating. I talk to my friends now that I've grown up with, like with Lewis, best friend since fourth grade. I talk to him now. We talk about our back pain, <laughs> knee pain. And man, I'm not like, and you know what God is saying there? Yeah, because I'm, I'm posing. Life, life is going to cut, all of us. The difference is when God cuts me, he's going to cut a fruitful one. What I pray is that when all of our lives get cut, we get cut, truly have repented. And turn to the Lord. So John gives three warnings. He says, the wrath of God is coming. Hell is a literal fire. And God is ready. But the reason that God says the axe is posed is because he's letting you know, I'm not going to come in and just cut you. I'm giving you time. I'm lining things up. But I'm giving you time to repent of your sins. If you have breath in your lungs, God is still giving you time. So God, as we close, he he gives three warnings and a promise and a hope. In verse 7, do you notice that John says he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize. He denounced them. He called them snakes and he exclaimed, Who warned you? Has anyone warned you about God's wrath? But notice, he said, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? You know, John is such an amazing preacher. Not only in one sentence is he able to give a warning of God's wrath and judgment, but God is also using John to give hope. The hope is, he says, who warned you to flee? That word flee literally means in the Greek to escape. So what John is saying is is God's wrath is coming, but you can escape. Remember, God is angry at sin, but God sin. But the truth is, God says you can escape it. You're saying, well, how do I escape this wrath of God? In John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist, John records him saying this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in the Bible, a lamb was used as a sacrifice for sin. When John looked at Jesus, he gave the hope and he said, Look, look at Jesus, he says. Like that lamb, this is the man that's going to die to take the sins away of the world. Why did he say the world? Because he's letting you know anyone can be saved. Anyone. The only way you escape the wrath of God is by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for those sins and took on the wrath of God for us. When you look at Jesus Christ, he is the one that takes away the sin. No religion can do that. No prophet, no prayer, none of that. Only Jesus. And when you place your trust in Jesus Christ, knowing that you agree, you are a sinner, 
And you also agree that only Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins. And in your trust, you turn to him. That's not only repentance, but that's salvation. You say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. So when you're angry at my sin, you are justified. But Lord, I'm going to change my mind about sin and I'm going to turn to you. And you trust in the Lord Jesus to take away your sins. So that on the day of judgment, you don't do what, the, what Jesus Matthew. You don't just say, oh, I went to church and I prayed and I did this and I did that. But you have the confidence to be in the face of the Lord in judgment and say, Lord, you're right. I know I'm a sinner, but on that day, it was a Sunday morning. I recognized and realized I was a sinner. And because I realized how wrinkled I was, I changed my mind and I turned my life around to Jesus. And I trusted him to pay for my sin. The reality is that many people have not done so. And the Bible says that we will face judgment. But only those who have repented of their sins and turned to Jesus will be saved. But there has to be this recognition that you're a sinner. A recognition that only Jesus can save, that he is God, that he died and rose again. The Bible says if you confess, that word confess literally means to agree. If you agree with God that you are a sinner and that Jesus Christ died and rose again, you will be saved. You see, a couple of years ago, it was like two years ago, I was scuba diving. Mom doesn't know this. I'm going to tell you a story, Mom. <laughs> but... I was diving alone, never do that, but I was. And uh, my regulator has this component here that allows me to turn the compass. And as I was down a few feet, just a few, I turned my compass off one degree off, one degree off, one degree. And because I turned that compass one degree off, it set me off course completely. All it takes is one sin to get you off course with Jesus. And in time, I said, man, something's off. I should have been at the dive wreck by now. And when I look at the compass, I realized I wasn't in line. I was so distracted by all these beautiful fish and stuff, I did not realize I was off. And you know what's crazy? When I turned it around and looked at my air, I had about three minutes of air left. Yeah. So I want to show you what repentance looks like because that day, when I saw that I was off course, when I saw that I was off, I could have said, nah, you know what, maybe this is wrong. Because a lot of us say, well, man, what if God's not real? What if he is? But I trusted in my compass. And I said, you know, you're telling me I'm lost. I'm going to trust you. And you know, all I did was I completely turned the degrees 180. That's what it means to turn. Because I thought I was going the right way. But when I saw I was wrong, it quickly changed my mind. Remember, that's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that causes you to turn. And the same way I place my trust in this compass, Jesus says, when I tell you you're lost, you need to trust me. And when the Lord changes your mind about your life and your sin and your eternity, it causes you to turn. And what's so frightening is that as I looked at the other gauge, it was telling me, you're running out of air. You know how many people are going off the wrong direction and God is saying, you're running out of time? You're running out of time? 
And when I turned, wouldn't you know, I'm alive today. Let me pray for you this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed. John said, the wrath of God is coming. The fires of hell are real. And time is short. God is ready. So John said, I want you to prove yourself by the way you live that you have repented of your sin. Don't tell God you go to church. Don't tell God you read the Bible. Don't tell God you pray. Do you know without a doubt, based on your life, that you have truly been born again and saved? Have you repented of your sins and turned to Jesus Christ? If you haven't, it's not judgment. It's not negative. It's not criticism. It is love that I tell you that right now is the day that not only does God say, I'm ready. God says, I want you to be ready. So I want you to pray this with me if this is you this morning. You're listening online. This is your life we're talking about. You say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I declare I am a sinner. And today, I change my mind. And I now turn to you, Jesus, who died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I place my faith and my trust and my soul in you. Save me in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this word this morning. I pray that we continue to invite and invest in people who need this message. Father, thank you for... Father, help us to have a hunger to reach the lost. And I thank you for those that are here listening online. I thank you, Lord, because we know that your word is being spread. It's being taught. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you for this message. Remain faithful as we continue to go through this series, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Give God some praise today. Love you guys so much. Next Sunday is our Hell Series Part 2. Part 2 is going to be special. We're going to go actually into hell. We're going to say really what that looks like. What makes hell such a bad place? Let me tell you, hell is not a party. Hell is not fun. Hell, it will be the worst experience of your life for the rest of your life. Invite your friends, invite your families, your loved ones. You don't want to miss it. If you're saying, well, Pastor, I'm already a Christian. I know I'm <laughs> Believe me, you're going to want to hear this message. It's going to really prepare you to reach the lost. If you know without a doubt, you have been found and saved. I love you all.